think it's an interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, you know, it's funny because I think people, the public perception is, oh, the Raiders, you know, they, they, they made a bunch of moves on the offensive line. Therefore, they're going to be worse there. And I'm kind of energized by it, to be really honest with you. And uh, we redid our left tackles contract, Colt Miller. And I think that showed our locker room. Uh, that we were really willing to be uh, really aggressive in signing one of our own and somebody we believe is a cornerstone, right? And then people are like, well, yeah, you, you traded away one of the best centers in football, and we did. But you can't make that move unless you think you've got somebody right behind them that can come in and compete. So, you know, we look at an Andre James and a Nick Martin and say, look, look we, we feel like we can compete at center. We think we're getting younger. Uh, I'm excited and energized by what our offensive line room is starting to look like. And I'm excited and energized because I think Tom Cable feels the same way. So we have all the respect in the world for Rodney and Gabe and, and Trent. But at this point, you know, we made a conscious decision to try to get younger, maybe a little bit more athletic, and let's go. And I can't wait to see how we react. That is the voice of Raiders general manager Mike Mayock talking about the offensive line, which, uh, you know, it's so funny because if you go back a few months ago, I don't think any of us thought we would be sitting here today thinking about, huh, how are the Raiders going to replace Rodney Hudson? How are the Raiders going to replace Gabe Jackson? Uh, I think we had an inkling about how were the Raiders going to replace Trent Brown, who was never out there to begin with, or barely out there to begin with. They've been replacing him since the last month of the 2019 season. So I think we all saw that one coming. But we didn't see Rodney Hudson, uh, the trade of Rodney Hudson coming, or the trade of Gabe Jackson uh, coming. Um, and, and, and so yet here we sit. You know, a week before the NFL draft, and we're wondering how the Raiders are going to replace Rodney Hudson. How the Raiders are going to replace Gabe Jackson. What's the plan uh, at right tackle? But having done this for so many years now, um, and listening to Mike Mayock, and by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. The one distinct advantage that organizations have uh, over myself and everybody else is they get to see on a daily basis the guys that are coming up behind the guys. It's the guy behind the guy, right? Um, so when you think about replacing a Rodney Hudson, no easy task whatsoever. And no matter who the replay or the Raiders replace him with, there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be um, you know some some con- some concern and some questions. And can the guy pull it off? Can he pull it off? But the advantage that Tom Cable has, Mike Mayock has, John Gruden has, uh, they see an Andre James day after day after day and have for the last three years and have a pretty good idea of what he's capable of doing because they went ahead and said, okay, uh, can we trade Dame or uh, Rodney Hudson? Do we have coverage if we do that? And I keep reiterating this story going back to my days covering the Los Angeles Rams I'm going to repeat it for the millionth time the Ra- the Rams had really just signed um you know uh, a-, a key linebacker Alec Ogletree who was just like tackling machine right and they decide at one point during an offseason I think it was 2017 no it was 2018 going into the tw- what no yeah going into the 2018 season off season right so they decide you know what 
we're going to move on from Alec Ogletree. Again, a lot of this always comes down to like money and spreading it around and balancing it. You can't be overly paying one position uh, because there's other positions that you're going to have to deal with. So they make a determination or start thinking about the possibility of trading Alec Ogletree, a tackling machine, a guy that you just penciled in for 90 to 100 tackles every single year for the Raiders, for the Rams, right? And so the head coach, Sean McVay, calls his linebacker coach, Joe Barry, and says, hey, man, <clears throat> we're thinking about trading Alec Ogletree. Make me okay with that. Convince me that we're going to be okay, even if we don't make any other acquisitions, even if we don't draft anybody, even if we don't bring in anybody at that position in free agency. Make me sleep better. Give me the, uh, the, the solace and the confidence to be able to put my head on the pillow tonight knowing that we're going to be okay, even if we trade a tackling machine in Alec Ogletree. And Joe Barry, telling me the story, said, I told Sean McVay, don't even sweat it, brother. We've got a guy that's going to be just fine. His name is Corey Littleton. He's going to be fine. Don't want to lose Alec Ogletree. Love Alec. But we got a guy in Corey Littleton who's been coming up the ranks, been a special teams player. We know for a fact that Alec Ogletree, or that, that Corey Littleton is going to be able to fill that hole. And so the Rams trade Alec Ogletree. Everybody's shaking their head, scratching their head. What did the Rams just do? He's been a tackling machine all these years, uh, one of the anchors of their defense. Oh, don't worry about it. Um, we feel pretty good about this young guy, Corey Littleton. And lo and behold, Corey Littleton who the Rams had been monitoring, watching, assessing, developing for the previous two years was more than capable of replacing a player like Alec Ogletree. He was actually better, as it turns out, than Alec Ogletree. So um, there you have it. And, and, and it, continually, it just uh, reiterated a point and reaffirmed a point that a lot of times – it's what's going on behind the scenes, and we don't always have privy. Uh, we're not always privy to that. What's going on behind the scenes? Uh, an old editor of mine, Matt McHale, taught me a great lesson early on in my career, and he's like, "You know what separates the the the, the good writers from the great writers, or the pretenders from the from the guys that can actually do it, or the men and women that can actually do it? It's the ability to walk into a room and a party." And understand that just because there's a loud mouth in the middle of the room and everybody's listening to that person tell stories, and that seems to be the story of the night. That's the focal point of this party. When in reality, it's the quiet person over in the corner that's the real story of this story. <laughs> you know, And it's the ability as a writer and as a journalist to see that, to see past the obvious to the less obvious and understand, oh, that's the real story. That's over there is the real story. And oftentimes that means looking beyond what we can only see and understanding that there's something else, maybe even more important, that's happening way beyond that focal point that you think that's making all the noise and drawing all the attention and everybody's hanging on every word. That's not the story. The story is 
a few feet behind that. And so often in professional sports, and we're taught this lesson so many times, that there's someone that's behind the scenes that the that teams are putting resources into and time into and development into uh, that ends up get and it doesn't always work this way where all that work pays off. Um, you know, sometimes after three years, after a couple of years, you're like, "Yep, yeah, it's not working. See you later, buddy," and you never hear from that person ever. You know, uh, but sometimes. In the case of a Corey Littleton, who, much like Andre James, undrafted free agent, kind of coming up through the ranks, always dressing out. Hmm, Andre James is always dressed out. You never notice that? Never really plays much, hasn't really played much, but was dressing out and on the active roster, game in and game out, and was around for these last three years, putting in the work, Due diligence, getting developed, absorbing, learning, listening, and creating a confidence level among the coaching staff that if you got to trade a great player like Rodney Hudson for whatever reason that might be, clearing up some cap space, getting younger, moving on, do we have coverage if we make a trade like that? And Andre James is the guy that Tom Cable told John Gruden and Mike Mayock, look, if we got to trade Rodney Hudson, not saying we want to do that, or I want to do that necessarily. Who wants to trade Rodney Hudson? But you understand the business of football and professional sports. And that's why we spend so much time developing guys behind the scenes, quietly, away from all the cameras. Fans might not have not even one inkling or clue that this might be happening right now, but I do. That's my job. It's my job to develop guys as Tom Cable, the offensive line coach of the Raiders. Not just for this year. I'm always thinking about years down the road and investing in guys that maybe nobody's even paying attention to, but I am. I have to be because there might be a day where John Gruden or Mike Mayock calls me and says, hey, we might have to trade Rodney Hudson are we good with this guy, Andre James, that you've been investing all this time into? Yes, we are. Uh, now, you know, in, 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 in the Raiders' defense, or, uh, you know, a smart move as well, they also brought in a Nick Martin as an insurance policy. Uh, just in case Andre James uh, isn't ready, Nick Martin has started more than 60 games in his career, has played at a capable level. Um, but it sure sounds like, they have a lot of confidence in an Andre James. Will it pay off? Who knows? But I've seen it before where it does, where a guy that nobody has been paying any attention to because it's he's not in the middle of the room. He's not making all the noise. He's not drawing all the attention. Nobody's going over there to interview Andre James after practice. Nobody's sticking a microphone uh, in his face after practice or after a game. He's the guy, and I've seen this a million times, quietly, you know, getting dressed, you know, after working out, after putting his time, getting his lift in after practice. He's the guy that's over there in the corner, just quietly putting, getting dressed. To head on out, nobody's paying attention to him. Nobody's talking to him. Nobody needs to know. Is asking what his opinion is on this or on that. Why would we? He's not playing. That doesn't mean 
that he's not a part of the plan and maybe even a really big one. That's what good organizations do. They're able to kind of, you know, have guys in reserve that they're pouring resources into. And when I say resources, I mean time, effort, diligence, getting them in the weight room, getting them in the classroom, working them uh, in in practice, getting them reps, staying after practice uh, with them uh, in order to to get their development uh, expedited. Because it sure isn't happening during the game, and that's the other challenge of all this. A guy like, there's only one center on a team at any given moment, right? At least Corey Littleton was able to get on the field because toward the end of uh, uh, Sean McVay and Joe Barry's uh, uh, first year together in 2017, this guy that was just a special teams guy in 2016 as an undrafted free agent, slowly but surely during the course of 2017, whenever he would get on the field uh, or in practice, was showing him this dude can play. We need to get this guy on the field a little more. They were drawing up packages in that second season of his in order to get him on the field to take advantage of his ability. Um, and so that helped a little bit, obviously. But a guy like, you know, because there's only one center, what are you going to do? You're not going to go rotate centers, right? You're not going to get Andre James into the game just because you feel like he can and is capable of. You got Rodney Hudson. You don't want to disrupt things between the center quarterback. Uh, So it's a very, you know, as a center, you're almost at a distinct disadvantage because there's really very, there's precious few times where you can show what you can do um, in in any kind of a playing kind of a situation. And really, it's nil, short of an injury. And Andre James has, uh, you know, uh, in the past couple of years, had to get in there and play uh, when Rodney uh, wasn't able to. But few and far between those opportunities. So everything is really what's going on in practice. What's How is he grasping uh, the information? How is he digesting it? Um, it? Does he know what to do? What's his... Uh, where's his level of, uh, of of understanding of what we're doing offensively? What the, what's going on on the off the play calls, the line calls? Uh, where is he with all that? We can't tell. Not me as a reporter. I don't see it uh, on a daily basis. That level of of, uh, of practice. I'm not in the classroom. I don't know. Neither do anybody. Does anybody else except for Tom Cable, his teammates, the coaching staff, and everybody else. And. That part of it, that classroom element of it, understanding it, um, getting it, being able to, you know, uh, talk the verbiage, and you know, when when you throw him into a scenario up on the, uh, you know, during, in the in the classroom during the study part of it, hey, what do we do here? You know, uh, this is what the alignment is. This is where the mic backer is. What are we doing? What's the call? That's what you're going to be in charge of, and I'm sure, knowing Tom Cable. Um, and knowing good offensive line coaches, they're putting guys in all kinds of stressful situations in practice, in the classroom, and you better be able to respond. Was Andre James answering all those questions initially? Probably not. But that's what the uh, why time and development and resources are so important because you don't expect them to get it from day one. But guess what? Three years later, he's probably cinching all those tests and flourishing when whatever you're putting them into, whatever kind of stressful mental situations you're putting them into. And that's why 
a guy like Tom Cable feels really good about Andre James, and a guy like Mike Mayock, the general manager, is kind of fired up about what's Mike, what's Andre James going to be all about this year? We feel really good about his opportunity and his chances to be really darn good. And I'll tell you this, you talk to coaches, the guys like Andre James, the guys like Corey Littleton are the guys you remember in your coaching career. Yeah, it's great when the first round pick comes in and is what you think he is. Those are obviously, that's tremendous. But it's those guys that you spent all that time with behind the scenes that nobody was paying attention to that get developed. And then when their opportunity comes about, they seize it thanks to the effort you put in, the work they put in, and it all came together. Those are the ones 10 years, 15 years down the line, you're like, oh, man, God, Corey Littleton. That well, I remember that one. And I know Joe Barry remembers it because he talks about it all the time. He's so proud of that. And there's other players in his career. There's plenty of players in Tom Cable's career uh, that he can say the same about. But there's those guys, those, those guys that kind of came out of nowhere, that slipped through the cracks, that you put time and effort into it and were rewarded for that effort. Not just you, selfishly, even though you know, you're, you're cool about it, you're happy about it. But to see the work pay off for the kid, man, there's nothing like that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're going to ride back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? Vincent, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to get quick, brother. Uh, I know the Raiders need uh, help on the defense, I mean, offensive line and, and the secondary. Um, so I guess most of the picks would be geared to that. And I love these new digits, single digits especially. For the linebackers and the, and the running backs, I think it's great. I don't see how, uh, now if it's a lineman, can't tell the difference between a defensive lineman and a, and a, and a, and a cornerback or senior with quarterback. But do you think they will also let uh, – on the same team, of course, offense and defense have the same number, like they do in college. Like, if you notice, like, there'll be two number nines on USC. I mean, when uh, uh, Schuster? No, when he was no, they're, USC, they're, 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 yeah, they, they're not going to. Um, it's just, you know, they, they do that in college because, you know, at any given time. There's so many guys, yeah, you got so many guys on a on a, on a team, um, and and they don't retire you know, numbers in college. Is that correct too? Do they retire numbers in college football? Do have they are there retired football numbers in football in college? Um, probably rarely, right? Yeah, I would I would think it's it's fairly rare. I know that there's like ring of honors and things like that, and uh, but but you know, like you look at USC, there's. There's guys who wear, uh, I think it's the number 55 at linebacker, um, and you know there's been tremendous linebackers who've worn that who've worn that number, um, and they haven't like officially retired it that I know of. No, I don't think that they do. Oh, I think that, yeah, because there's just so many. You know, the, the, yeah, I don't. I don't think they uh, retire those numbers, uh, but of course they they celebrate those numbers, and a lot of times. You know, when when a, a great recruit comes in, um, they want that number, and it's 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 like something that, you know, as a, as a recruiting tool, to lure them. 
Right. Yeah, so you don't want to lose like, them because you're not going to give them that. Right. I, yeah. I wish, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. I wish uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I cut you off. I, I wish USC and Notre Dame, but especially USC since I followed school, put the names on the back of the jerseys. And yeah, I that's like a, a Yankee thing, New York Yankee thing. Um, it's tradition. Well, I don't so want to not... anyway. But, well, you know who Aaron Judge is. <laughs> you can't miss <laughs> Right, exactly. exactly. You know Babe Ruth. Uh, um, even though his number is definitely retired, but um, yeah, so you know that's that's the uh, you know that's the decision that, the, that those you know schools of or teams and organizations uh, have made. Uh, Mitch, I really appreciate it, and we're going to try to get a uh, one of my friends from the LA Times on to talk about um, you know some of those USC prospects uh, that that are coming out and uh, some some good ones, safety, wide receiver. Uh, and offensive tackle. So uh, trying to get my good friend Ryan Kartsky, who covers USC for the Los Angeles Times, uh, onto the show. Um, so I've been in contact uh, with him for him to shed some light on some of those guys. Um, but we've been talking about, you know, um, the the plan uh, at, at tackle. Um, and right now it's still a little bit uh, up in the air. Uh, obviously, I do think that the Raiders – you know, Mike Mack talked about some young players uh, at, at tackle, and uh, I think everyone's going to get their fair shot uh, to, to to win that job. Uh, but I think that ideally they're going to find their their answer in this uh, in in this draft. Um, another position, and uh, you know, we've been talking about this uh, for quite a bit, is the free agent or excuse me, the free safety uh, class. The Raiders need a free safety. Uh, I don't think. Um, the answer is uh, anybody that they've signed, Carl Joseph, uh, I don't think is a long-range answer, even the short-term answer as the starting free safety. And I don't think Jeff Heath, who Mike Mayock talked about today, uh, is is the answer uh, as well. But we did ask Mike Mayock about the uh, free safety class in this draft, and here's what Mike Mayock uh, had to say about it. I thought Jeff Heath did a good job last year. Um, Jeff's been in the league several years. Uh, we're always looking for competition. I think the free safety position in the draft this year, uh, I think there's some good players through the first three or four rounds. And then after that, uh, I think you got to target some guys that might be corners, might be nickels, be a little bit creative. But, uh, you know, we've grinded this whole defensive back class pretty hard, just like every other position. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, go ahead and uh, and jump in there for Mike Mack and, and uh <laughs> Javon Holland from Oregon, uh, Richie Grant from University of Central Florida, Andre Sisco from um, Syracuse. I think those are the three names. Uh, I think it's is it Jameer Johnson from uh, from Indiana uh, is another you know player to keep an eye on. But I think with that forty eighth pick, if you come out of there with a Richie Grant or a Javon Holland, uh, I think the Raiders. Did a pretty good job. Let's just put it that way. I think both of those guys, uh, you know, can 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 walk in day one. They're good enough and they're smart enough, and 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 they should be able to to get it in time to be able to be an asset as a rookie uh, at free safety. Um, both of those players fit all the attributes that you're looking for. So that's why, you know, I don't think the Raiders when you're when when you're talking about the free age or the the free safety position, and and for that matter. Uh, the right tackle position, uh, I don't get the sense that they're operating out of any sense of desperation. Urgency, yes, you got to fill that position. Um, but there's no game tomorrow, so um, 
the 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 desperation um, level, and it's not just because there's no game tomorrow. The, why there's no desperation? Why there's no um, urgency to act now or to act quickly is because I think that they feel like there's options uh, in the draft that they will have access to uh, at the positions that they draft in, um, whether it's number 48, whether it's the 17th pick overall, uh, whether it's one of the two you know, or both of the third round picks, the Raiders believe they're going to have access to, to people or players that can fill both of those holes. And, um, you know, so, so I, that's why they decided um, in free agency to pour money into the defensive line, at wide receiver, surprisingly so, um, at running back with Kenyon Drake. Um, and, I, you know, I, you hear the talk, oh, they're forsaking this position. Oh, they're, they're overlooking that position. It's not the case. It's that they have a huge board in their offices and I've been talking about it for months and months and months and months. And each position, you know, has a what they call a population of players, whether it's in free agency and whether it's in the draft. And uh, what the Raiders are, they're looking at that list um, in, in both of those lists, the free agency list and the draft list. And what they're deciding and have basically determined is from one of those two lists, we're going to be able to get our answer, whether it's at right tackle or free safety, uh, in that in from the from either one of those two lists. So that's why they haven't rushed out to go sign um, somebody to to be the quote unquote starter right tackle. That's why they haven't rushed out to go sign somebody, um, you know, uh, at, at free safety. What they have done is poured a lot of money into the defensive line, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe, whether it's Solomon Thomas, whether it's uh, Quentin Jefferson, uh, whether it's Darius Phylon. Uh, that defensive line was obviously a major uh, point of, of emphasis in free agency. I wouldn't rule out also uh, during the draft, but here's Mike Mayock talking about the remade defensive line. Well, I, I think you'd have to ask Gus that, and, and uh, as far as what would he, he would like, um, or Rod Marinelli. I mean, I, I, I'm with Rod a couple years now. I think I know what Rod likes. I mean, to preface it, we have eight defensive tackles right now. Um, that's plus or minus what we typically take to camp. We, we've had a lot of movement there on the defensive tackle front, and we think there's some talented guys. Now, we obviously need a couple guys to hit. You know, Sol- Solomon Thomas is a former first-round pick, still young. Um, we're excited about him. I mean, we're excited about each of those guys for different reasons. Uh, we've got five, three techniques, three noses. Um, we've got, I believe, more talent in there than we've had before. Now we've just got to convert it to production. Uh, as far as outside on the defensive line, obviously Ngakwe was, was a big deal for us, and he gives us a little bit of a different presence that we've had before. With with Max coming back healthy, you know, Klee had one of his best games against the Jets, and then he got hurt. Um, we need to get these guys healthy and keep them healthy. And, you know, we look at the last two years, we need to finish, you know, 6-4 and four and 6-3. and three. No excuse. We've got to finish. So it's depth. It's staying healthy. Uh, and, and hopefully this draft is going to help us get there. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, there's Mike Mayock again uh, from the Raiders facility over in Henderson, uh, talking about getting guys healthy, and uh, you know, unbeknownst to us, uh, and it wasn't until postseason that we found out that Max Crosby was dealing with something that required surgery. By all accounts, um, he's raring to go and, and on track to be completely healthy. Uh, seen some videos uh, out there of Max and uh, some some tweets and whatnot. Uh, so wishing him uh, the best in that recovery, um, but. All of those things, you know, you, you we take for granted uh, a lot of times uh, what guys are sometimes dealing with health-wise, you know, um, and it 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 it's it's a major factor, and these guys grit their teeth and play through it, and um, you know, uh, and and and, but it's a lot of times it's going to affect performance, and you know, fans get down on guys. Uh, we as writers and reporters, you know, are, are get down on guys, uh, and a lot of times we don't know, uh, you know, uh, aren't privy to some of the things that they're dealing with. And I'll tell you this, um, that was one of the biggest parts uh, that was missing last year from a reporter's uh, point of view, um, you know, being able to go into the locker room and talk to guys, um, you know, and, and, and get to know them. You know, there's there's times where you have an inkling about something, um, you know, you, you're, you're watching a guy and how he's walking in practice or um, you know, uh, so there's something differently about them that, and you, you, you know, that's where you go up to somebody in the locker room. Hey, man, you know, let's kind of noticing that you're limping a little bit. You know, what's the deal? You know, and uh, and and sometimes they say, hey, man, if you keep it off the record, you know, this is what it is. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm fine. I'll be fine. You know, but you have now um, a little bit of background on. Oh, okay. I get it, you know, uh, doesn't want to, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys, they don't want to, you know, uh, make excuses. They don't want to create any excuses. So, you know, they, they, they let you know. And, but it's like, hey, don't promote it. Don't put it out there. I don't want to make it seem like, you know, I'm being a crybaby or, you know, trying to use this as, as an excuse. But yeah, you know, I've been dealing with this the whole year, you know, and, um, and, and so that building those relationships in the locker room which was impossible this year because we weren't allowed in the locker room uh, and we had very, very little access uh, even to practices, um, it just kind of eliminates that, that institutional knowledge um, and that background information, which usually makes us a better reporter um, and, and better at what we do because we have a better idea of what guys are, are, are dealing with. And it's, you, you can't, as a reporter, you can't, as a fan, just kind of like discount things like that. Um, an injury, uh, an issue, you know, um, as no big deal. Because you go out there and try to play, you know, with something that's going to require surgery at the end of the season. Good luck doing that, you know. I, even what I doubt very, you know, very seriously how many people that are are listening right now. I'm not trying to, you know, speak down on you or anything like that. But I know in my just from my own perspective, I'd have a hard time playing through something that's going to require surgery. I might have to, you know, tap out. And many fans would. They have no idea the physical toughness that it requires to play professional sports, let alone professional football, and how much these guys are dealing with and how much you know they're putting off until the end of the season to get fixed, to get squared away. Um, so many times that you see it like, oh, wow, you know, uh, Max Crosby's posting a picture post-surgery. You know, didn't even know, had no idea, you know, and uh, would have liked to have known, you know, and, and it puts things in better perspective. Uh, but a, a lot of times these guys go about it real quietly and under the radar. They don't want to make it sound like an excuse. They won't want to make it seem like uh, an excuse, but they are dealing with stuff. And after you see it, 
kind of make some sense on some things. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahra. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. You know, I, again, I, I'm probably not going to get into too many specifics about what we're going to do next week. You asked me about right tackle. Uh, I mean, we, we've got a guy named Jared Jones-Smith who we signed off the street last week who we, we think is a chance to be a really good football player. Uh kind of excited about him i think you know obviously in free agency whether it's the quote normal free agency period or what you've done on the street in the prior year you're trying to set yourself up for in the draft so that you can uh you can take the best player you can take and uh we're very aware of our needs and uh obviously when the needs fit up with where you are in the draft board that's awesome and when they don't you gotta be a little careful Jared Jones Smith. Okay, uh, by the way, uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonster, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I just heard Mike Mayock, the Raiders general manager, talking about the right tackle uh, uh, position. Obviously, a position of need. Um, Trent Brown is no longer here. Not that he was really here when he was here. 16 games for 30 over the course of two seasons. I'm no mathematician, but that's half. Of what he was supposed to play, he got paid like thirty-six million dollars to give him sixteen games over two years, including four. Right last year, oh boy. Uh, anyway, so uh, but the fact is, Trent Brown's no longer here, so there is technically a hole at right tackle. Um, Jared Jones Smith. Who's Jared Jones Smith? Played at University of uh, Pittsburgh. Um, was an undrafted free agent. Signed by the Houston Texans after the 2018 draft. Um, He played 33 games, started 13 uh, at the University of uh, Pittsburgh. Um, Played for the San Diego or San Antonio Commanders after not making the Texans' 53-man roster in 2019. Went to the uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, who waived him in 2019. The 49ers signed him um, in October of 2020. And uh, now he's with the Raiders. And, you know, he, he, guys like that, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be the starting right tackle for the Raiders uh, in 2021 um, at all. Uh, and if he is, uh, either two things happen. Either a lot of disappointment occurred and the Raiders weren't able to get who they wanted in the draft or, um, you know, or free agency, uh, post-draft free agency, or Jared Jones-Smith, um, much to what Mike Mayock just talked about, blew everybody away uh, in, in training camp and won the job decisively in spite of the Raiders drafting somebody at right tackle uh, in the NFL draft, uh, in spite of maybe them even adding somebody in free agency after the draft. So that could happen. I'm not ruling that out uh, uh, happening. Uh, but he, a guy like Jared Jones-Smith is an example of a guy that we just don't know us as reporters and, and fans. Yeah, you go look at the tape of him at the University of Pittsburgh, but that was a few years ago now. Uh, things change. Um, players get better. Players develop. Uh, and, and maybe he's a situation or a case 
of a guy uh, that's been, again, working behind the scenes, getting practice in, uh, improving, uh, working on whatever deficiencies he had. Um, you know, he joined the Raiders practice squad last year in 2020 in September. Um, he was elevated to the active roster uh, November 17th um, and was on the team for in weeks 9 and 10 and 11. Um, so, you know, he was on the roster at one point last year. Again, we didn't get a chance to see him practice because we weren't allowed to see any of the practice last year. We weren't able to go into the locker room and get to know uh, a Jared uh, Jones-Smith. So, um uh, he did go back to the practice squad uh, last year uh, at one point late in November where he ended the season as a practice squad member. So kind of fluctuated um, throughout the season um, on the roster, uh, on the 53-man roster, and on the practice squad. So, um, But was here basically the entire season after, after signing here uh, as, a, as a practice squad player. Uh, in September 8th, uh, September 8th uh, of 2020. Uh, he made it to, he was in training camp last year with the San Francisco 49ers, if you're wondering. Uh, made it to the final cuts, not that that matters anymore. Um, everybody waits until the very last weekend um, to make their cuts. Uh, that's by rule, you're allowed to do that now. So uh, he, he got cut um, in the final round of cuts for the 49ers September 5th or so. 2020, the Raiders immediately signed him uh, after that, and he spent the entire season here uh, with the Raiders in Las Vegas, uh, and then signed a reserve uh, contract uh, with the Raiders January 5th of 2021. So, um, you know, what does it mean? <laughs> we don't know. Uh, but Jared Jones-Smith, for sure, um, has obviously caught the eye of the general manager, and um, he talked about him today uh, when we talked to Mike Mayock. So, It'll be interesting. He's at the very least now, all of a sudden, the whole world, uh, or Raider fans, Raider Nation now, knows the name Jared Jones-Smith. Who is he? What's he all about? Is he capable of being somebody that the Raiders can count on? Um, it'll be interesting to see. And I'm curious. Now I can't wait to get to training camp to see what Jared is all about. Really, I want to, hopefully, he's out there in OTAs. Uh, if there really are some OTAs, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, we're going to talk about more about what Mike Mayock said uh, uh, when, we, when we reconvene tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. on uh, In the Huddle, brought to you by Tequila in Bahadur. An interesting day hearing Mike Mayock. I uh, haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, had a lot to say. We have a lot more to get to um, in the coming days. Uh, but I've, my main takeaway was the fact that him mentioning the possibility of trading up is there a player that the Raiders have an eye on that are looking at right now that feel like he can be a difference maker on this team? They figure he's probably going to go uh, in that 7-8 um, area. But if he starts falling to 10 or 11, will the Raiders pull the trigger and give up some future assets to go get that? unknown player who I think happens to be Micah Parsons. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, appreciate uh, Evan Grote for uh, sharing some time uh, in the huddle. All the callers, thank you so much. Uh, Devon Cotton, thank you so much for what you do. We will talk to you guys tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. <laughs>